HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Fiji Water and Patina Events at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, an idyllic location for weddings, corporate events, and parties of any style. Visit us at patinaevents.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. When you're starting a startup, feedback, iterations, and pivoting is all a part of the story. But when do you know when it's time to make the big pivot? Stay tuned on this episode of Tech Bytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 150 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. What are they all listening to? Well, they're listening to about 35 live shows a week, including this one, Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. And today, that innovator is Megan Caro, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Tuckerbox. If you are a faithful, diehard listener, you will remember the sound of her voice from episode 99 last year, where we had a roundtable panel of women CEOs and founders in the food tech space. It's a great episode. And, you know, we like to follow the stories of the people we have on the show. And so this is going to be our second installment with Megan talking about what's going on with her company now. But before we do that, we're going to start the episode like we start every episode, going around the shipping container, talking about apps. Apps we love, old favorites, new ones we've discovered. And to Megan, whose Tuckerbox is kind of an app, I will remind her that the only rule is that you cannot talk about an app that you own, created, or are invested in. (laughs) Which I say that every time, and some people do anyway. (laughs) Do you have an app that you like right now that you're using a lot? Oh my gosh. I am loving the HQ app. Um, The trivia game happens at three o'clock and nine o'clock every day. And you have 10 seconds to answer um, various 
trivia questions. There's 12 of them, and if you get all 12, then you win the jackpot. Uh, it's usually $2,500. Wow. How yeah. many people are playing? Um, usually at night, it's more, so it's like close to a million. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the day, it's like 500,000. So you stop, drop, and yep. play HQ. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not the first person to mention it on the show. So oh, really? it must be something that's trending. It although, is, yeah. Although I find myself trying to move away from my phone instead of moving towards my phone. I feel like this would sort of even... <laughs> does, it, does it create like a little anxiety and excitement when the time's coming up? Or do you have an alarm that goes off? Or does it message you? Or um, It messages you. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, it's ju- it's just a good break, I think, too, in the day. Yeah. So, and it's really fun because, uh, you know, all of my friends are playing as well, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Have any of your friends won yet? Have you no. won yet? No. Okay. <laughs> you usually get knocked out by, like, four or five. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's like Lotto. You can't win it if you're not in it, so. Totally. Next up, we have... David Tadashore, who is our engineer and the Heritage Radio Network studio manager. That's David, me. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm pretty good. Do you have an app for us that you like right now? Uh, yeah. I, so I'm the last person who would ever say anything nice about healthcare in this country, but uh, an app that I used recently was for uh, the One Medical Group. Uh, it's like a association of doctor's offices, I guess, in New York and other cities. And uh, the app is just really user-friendly and easy to use to book appointments, to upload your insurance information, all that. So where something would normally be, you know, something that would normally be a kind of a headache and a pain to deal with was made a little easier by this app. Oh, that's good. Are you worried about, you're not worried about having your information swimming around electronically? I mean, I suppose everything kind of is anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, true, true. It's all out there. It is all out there. And healthcare and the health industry is supposed to be one category where tech is supposed to be making big strides of improving life and systems and admin. I don't know that that's happened yet, though. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, the, they make great commercials. Yeah. <laughs> well, my app today is called Croissant, and I'm partially enthralled with it just because I really like the icon. It's an it's a illustration of a person and the top of their head is a croissant. They're like wearing a giant croissant as a hat. It looks maybe a little like Napoleon-esque. Love it. It's adorable. Croissant is the class pass for co-working space where you sign up, you pay a monthly fee, and then you can, you know, look at real time. I need an office space desk now, and it will show you what's available. And, you know, there are places like 100 Bogart, which is where Heritage Radio Network HQ is it's down the street from the studio they're also a sponsor and a supporter we have events there every now and again they're one of the great companies that are included so if you're into the co-working space but you don't want to maybe commit to a specific spot because you roam around yeah. a lot and maybe you're tired of the coffee shop thing yes um Croissant might be something interesting okay. for you. It's uh, not really food tech. I got excited when I first heard about it because I thought it might be a potential guest. Um, but it's just a food name. Right. I'm not sure why it's named Croissant. But I was just thinking, why did they name it? Croissant? I don't know. The little logo is great, though. Mm-hmm. I love it. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, 
Megan yes. and her company Tuckerbox. I'm really I want to I want to thank her at the very beginning of the show for coming on because she's going to talk about um, her big pivot with her company. And for those of you who are not really into the startup entrepreneur lingo, pivot means a lot of different things. You know, the startup industry is famous for rapidly acquiring feedback and information about their product and service, taking all that information and then making adjustments and rolling out new things and new versions and making constant iterations um, to move the, the product forward. So feedback is always good. Sometimes feedback is really extreme from the original product and people make a big pivot and they change the idea of what the company is or maybe exactly how it's going to work or what it does. But sometimes the pivot is maybe stopping your startup, which is not an easy decision to make and it's a very fine line between all the different types of pivoting. But it's also becoming increasingly one of the uh, more important storylines in the startup world. I was back listening to episode 99, um, Women CEOs with Megan, and the end of the show, interestingly enough, we talk a lot about transparency, and we yeah. talk a lot about sharing um, successes as well as sharing failures to learn from, for everyone to learn from, and you had um, very interesting comments about um, talking about the courage of failure. Yeah. How, um, you know, when you have that really, when you fail and you share that information, the courage of failure, the wherewithal to keep going and moving forward and sort of, you know, the degrees of, um, you know, moments of, of courage and strength to sort of take all this information and move forward and and share it with people. So I thought that was just such an interesting yeah, I'm thing gonna to have be to listening listen to. to. Again. <laughs> um, I was listening to it on the L train on my way out here. Um, so that episode was last summer. Yes. And last summer, 2017, um, you were in the throes of actually your first beta project. That's right. Yeah. So Tucker Box was partnered with Equinox um, for their summer camp programs. And so we were able to test all of the meals and recipes on 80 kids delivering to three different locations and just getting a ton of feedback in real time. Um, so that was really, really incredible. And at that moment when you were talking about the courage of failure, you probably weren't thinking about no because being, being in this space six months later. No, I, I don't know what my expectation was for the next six months at that point, um, but I definitely thought uh, it would look a little different than it does today. <laughs> this is probably a good time to take a quick look back and have Megan walk us through the history of Tuckerbox. And the fascinating thing, well, there's a lot of fascinating things about Megan's story, but one of the things that really struck me is that the Tuckerbox journey from beginning to this end point, not perhaps final end, but the mm -hmm. end of this chapter, you had an extremely successful startup from well, thank you. from beginning to end and you know you why don't you walk us through some of the different things but the highlights are you know you you know had your investments you were a part of a great accelerator and all those kinds of things so right yeah sure so um so my background is in creative advertising, and uh, I'm a design founder. So I founded Tuckerbox in 
September of 2015, and it was my side hustle for about six months. So I was um, working in an agency uh, all day and then doing Tuckerbox at night. Um, and I had uh, a great team of advisors and mentors uh, around Tuckerbox at that time. And um, Tell us what Tuckerbox is. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great place to start. Um, Tuckerbox is the first farm to lunchbox meal delivery and iOS app for kids. So it's all about giving kids autonomy over their food choices and uh, creating a healthier generation through food and technology. Uh, so, so your your half your area of specialty is the design and the tech and that piece of it. Yeah, I was sort of like CEO, but CMO, like creative director, I guess. And what was it about the children's food space mm -hmm. that draw you in? Well, growing up, I took a packed lunch every day. Um, from home and uh, I didn't exactly learn healthy eating habits <laughs> like most kids in the 90s uh, who took a packed lunch it was a lot of you know peanut butter and jelly and yogurts and things like that and um, so fast forward uh, I was working on a, a lot of different products and one of them was Sakara Life um, which is a, a meal delivery um, that was kind of one of the first meal deliveries that, um, and they're all about like food and fashion and the intersection of those things. But anyway, I just saw that, um, you know, while women were cleansing their bodies and doing these things in their thirties, um, and I was one of them, you know, I was like working in like a really busy career, um, didn't really have time, but I didn't, uh, learn, you know, the healthy eating habits in my childhood to feed myself well as an adult. So, um, Tucker box was all about, you know, starting conversations at, at the school lunch table um, when it matters most and kind of learning all about food in a really fun and engaging way. So you realize that some of the challenges that you had as an adult and wanting to fix your own yeah. sort of personal nutrition space, your issue probably would have been best solved 10 or 15, Absolutely. 20 years earlier. Yep. <laughs> so interestingly, you, you followed a lot of the entrepreneurial spirit in that, you know, you're fixing a problem you have. It's just interesting that fixing the problem that you have actually wouldn't necessarily benefit you directly. Right. Precisely. Yeah. Which is interesting also and very much more altruistic in terms of well, like actually fixing the problem, not just for yourself. Yeah, well, I think that being a design founder helped me in that way because I'm a builder. So I just got right into like building the app, you know. <laughs> so. so you build an app for kids. And um, if you are listening along and you're in front of a computer, you can go to Tuckerbox, T-U-C-K-R-B-O-X dot com and take a look at it. It's really great and visually a lot of fun and clear and fresh. So you design the app, you design... The website and the idea. This is 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What next? Um, so I got into Google's incubator program. That's um, amazing. Yes. And from there, uh, really, it was kind of like getting an MBA in 30 weeks. Um, it was extremely academic and really uh, a difficult program. But, um, you know, like I said, I was building things, but I had no idea how to be a startup founder, how to raise money, um, how to talk to investors. Um, how to build out a team, those kind of things. So that's, that was just an incredible journey. And how did you get into that? Um, so I had an advisor who uh, was an entrepreneur in residence for their first cohort. Um, and so she knew the program very well. And uh, 
she encouraged me. I'm, I'm very active in Lesbians Who Tech, and um, she also is, is big in that scene, and so she encouraged me to apply, and it kind of went from there, yeah. That's an, uh, an amazing accelerator to be a part of. Thank you, yeah. It was really incredible. So you go through the Google MBA Tech Accelerator <laughs> Startup Program. Yes. And then what next? Uh, in, oh man, I, so I met my co-founder kind of when we started um, that program. And from there, we started, well, uh, we took on our executive chef and we started recipe development um, sort of from an R&D standpoint, but also with taste tests and things like that. And then we uh, had our nutrition partners um, join. And so we were uh, testing all of our recipes um, sort of on the food side of things. And then uh, we won the New York App Idea Awards. Um, So I had some funding to actually develop the app. Another great milestone. Yeah. So that was was really, really incredible. So we partnered with uh, Roco Labs and um, began developing the app. Um, and from there, we, you know, fast forward, we, we partnered with Equinox. So that was like the next big break. Um, also we're pitching all over the country. So, um, won a couple of other pitch competitions, notably the NGLCC, um, pitch competition in Vegas. And so that was a a little more funding. Um, and you also did some family funding and things like that also, correct? Yeah, that's right. So that was a ton of work <laughs> as well. Um, we did an Indiegogo campaign uh, and, you know, raised a, a friends and family round out of that. Yeah. So you're winning pitch contests, you're winning app contests, you're winning <laughs> funding, yeah. you're self-funding. You came out of the Google program and you're staffed up testing yeah, so I was full-time on Tuckerbox at that point and was supporting myself by doing freelance on the side, but, you know, was it was difficult. <laughs> so Equinox, what was, the, what was the premise around the test with Equinox then? Yeah, so the, um, the premise was, well, it was a little different than the business model um, because, you know, we weren't delivering uh, a week worth of meals, um, which is what you know, the, the big idea was, um, the big idea was you have the app, kids have the app themselves, right? They much like their own mm -hmm. lunches and then the lunches get delivered once a week. Yeah. So five fully prepared meals, you know, no prep for parents would arrive on Sunday, um, to the parents' home. And so that they just put it in the refrigerator and the kids, you know, grab, grab one and head to school. <laughs> okay. So the Equinox program was a little bit different. It had a lot of kids. Yeah. So that was really great. But one thing we didn't realize was that a lot of the kids were a lot younger. Um, so the average age was like three, four years old. Um, and, you know, Tucker Box was designed um, with a focus on elementary school kids. So from five to 12. And so that was a little bit difficult, you know. <laughs> and for people maybe outside the New York area, um, in listening in from some of those 150 countries around the world, Equinox is a athletic gym fitness club. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty high yeah. end. Um, it's a couple hundred dollars a month membership. And in the summertime, they do a daytime summer camp program for children of their members. Yep. So Tucker Box had the opportunity to work with, what was it, two Equinoxes? 
Um, yeah, two Equinox, Upper East Side and Upper West Side locations. For the summer and then drop off lunches to the kids who were at yep. Equinox Summer Camp. Yes, and we also had a daycare in Brooklyn as well um, as the third location. So yeah. you were then dropping, so the kids were too young to be picking their own lunches on the app. Right. So we launched with five um, five fully prepared meals. It's a main and two sides, um, one sweet and one savory side. Uh, and then the meals are all like very kid centric. So things that they already know and love and recognize like mac and cheese and pizza, but done in a very healthy and creative way. So like cauliflower crust on the pizza um, or quinoa mac and cheese, things like that. Yeah. And how did they go? It went great. I mean, we learned a lot and we did change recipes sort of in real time. Um, things like if the... Um, the veggies were too visible, the kids wouldn't eat it. Um, just noticing things like that. How, you know, how can we uh, educate kids about what's in their food, but, but also um, get them to finish their meals, which is, you know, the, the main thing any parent really wants to hear is that their kid ate lunch, right, and finished it and is not coming home starving. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was incredible. Uh, but the, the thing with them being a little bit young made it tricky because, um, well, they're a little bit pickier and um, some of the, you know, portioning and things just weren't, were a little like too big and weren't really um, working out for toddler age, you know. Well, it sounds like up until this point, everything is going great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds very successful as a startup. Yeah, it felt like a train that just wasn't stopping, you know. I had so many, um, it just felt like a a win every so often, you know, whether it was a pitch or, you know, the app stuff or getting that partnership and, and affirmation stuff like that. of the idea, oh, totally. affirmation of the product. Mm -hmm. But today we're here to talk about the fact that you decided to stop Tucker box. That's right. So how do you get from successes <laughs> consistently successful startup to stop? Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fully transparent, it was, it was that, um, I could not support the startup any longer, um, financially and I couldn't support myself in New York. So, uh, something has to change, you know? So it so. comes down to money. Totally. Like so many things do everything. Unfortunately, many things in this life come down to money, including the life of this radio station. <laughs> we have to take a quick break to hear from our underwriter. You may or may not know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we keep the lights on and the mics hot. 100% of the out of the generosity of our members, underwriters, and grants. So stay with us and find out who the amazing people are who are supporting this episode. Patina Restaurant Group offers unparalleled service in New York's most iconic locations, including Lincoln Center, Rockefeller Center, and Macy's Herald Square. From meetings and presentations in the glass-walled atrium, to galas in the renovated Palm House, and intimate wedding showers at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, your event will be perfectly imagined and customized at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. You can also enjoy a la carte brunch and lunch at the picturesque Yellow Magnolia Cafe, overlooking Lily Pool Terrace. 
Chef Rob Newton and Chef de Cuisine Morgan Jarrett offer warm, distinctive cuisine with a focus on local vegetables, grains, and sustainably sourced meats and fish. Well, if you're just tuning in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. Do you have a piece of food tech that you love? Do you have an app that you just discovered or maybe invented? Do you want to come on Tech Bites and tell us about it? Reach out, get in touch. You can find us on social media, Tech Bites HRN, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can send us an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We are very interactive. We would love to hear from you. And who knows, maybe you'll wind up on the radio. Today on the radio, we have Megan Crow, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Tuckerbox. If you want to find out more about Tuckerbox, go to T-U-C-K-R-B-O-X.com. You can also find them on social media at Tuckerbox. Megan is a familiar voice to listeners of Tech Bytes. She was on our Women CEO Roundtable last year, episode 99, where we talked to women CEOs and founders about life in the tech space. She's here sharing with us the story about her very successful startup, Tuckerbox. She won competitions was a part of the best accelerators, raised funds, great feedback, great partnerships, and basically just hit the money wall. Yeah. <laughs> totally. How hard is it to raise money then? Is it, was it a question of not being able to raise money? Was it a question of being able to get the product and production to a profitable space? Mm-hmm. Um, did you go through the, you know, the different rounds of funding or was it just too difficult to find? Um, so we really needed to raise a seed round. Uh, we were raising $500,000 and that would have gave us about six months of runway. Um, the difficulty really what it came down to was that there wasn't enough traction or proof of concept um, in the in the minds of, of you know the VCs that we were talking to in the space um, also there is another part of the story which is that just the um, the space got crowded for meal delivery it's a little oversaturated um, so this is all you are in the process of building Tucker box with the backdrop of blue apron right and the Super they went public. Yes. Not successful IPO. Exactly. And the the broad, the headlines of of that probably were not helpful. And also Amazon's acquisition of Whole Foods. And so now you have some big players um, who could very easily just you know do a Tucker box um, on their own, which is what a lot of investors were saying to us. Yeah. So the space got crowded in the sense of meal delivery mm-hmm. and. So actual meal delivery, Blue Apron IPO, which had a negative kind of headline for people who were investing in the space. Potential meal delivery with the Amazon Whole Foods acquisition, but no actual meal delivery (laughs) service (laughs) online yet. Just perhaps a hypothetical glimmer of meal delivery service on the horizon. Yeah, that's frustrating. Right, because it's not, I mean, not... I mean, that like hasn't re- that hasn't say- resulted in actual <laughs> meal delivery service yet. Yeah. 
<laughs> but none of these things are geared towards children. So crowded marketplace um, in the sense of maybe the uh, uh, subject crowding in the media and in the, in the industry space in terms of what people are talking about. But none of those things are focused to kids. That's right. So that, that totally was so frustrating just to, to be like, you know, just talking about how frustrating it is for parents to pack healthy lunch each day and how this is like another chore for mostly moms. Let's, let's be real. Right. Um, and trying to get mostly male VCs to understand that problem and to understand the potential of the, the children market. But the, you know, right away they're, they're thinking like, yes, but kids don't have money. Um, so just things like that, yeah. It, it, it's a tough thing to um, to pitch, to be honest, yeah. Tough thing to pitch. Although it seemed like you were, whatever pitching you were doing up until this point was working. Yeah, totally. Um, because I think audiences, it resonates with people. I mean, everyone remembers the school lunch table, and you remember uh, Michelle Obama's campaign for, you know, um, a healthier generation and... Um, so it's it's all very relevant, of course, and people, you know, it tugs on the heartstrings, I think. So, yeah. so funding was the big issue. Yeah. Hmm. Did you? So it just got to the point where you couldn't support the business anymore, and you didn't have the funding coming in. So at what point then did you decide to hit the pause button? Yeah. Um, <coughs> So it became pretty clear through uh, conversations with my co-founder, Alexandra Payne, um, several, you know, hard, difficult to have conversations where we say, like, where is the, the line in the sand? How far are we going to go? What's the, you know, kind of cutoff timeline looking like? Um, because I think we both knew in our heart that uh, we would have to move on if, if it, you know, just didn't take off. Um, ultimately that's what happened. So, you know, that time came, um, we, we got through Christmas and, and then got back and, you know, had a couple of sit downs with the team and talked through everything. And, um, ultimately just said, you know, there are some things we have to wind down. There's obviously, we have a co-packing facility, so we had a big partnership there. Um, so some difficult conversations, you know, uh, but, I mean, everything is, like, built and sitting there if we want to pick it back up. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't, you know, it, it's funny the word failure because I don't really see it as a failure. There's still a business there, um, but it's not a business if you can't uh, launch, right? <laughs> so, Or if it's not functioning <laughs> or running. Yeah. One of the things that we talked about before the show when we were discussing... The, the lifespan of your business thus far. You said something very interesting, which was when you started Tuckerbox, it was this idea of the app and kids and meal delivery. And at once you got, you know, two years into it, you realized you were building two very different types of companies, one that you knew about mm -hmm. design and app and one that you knew nothing about food production. Yeah, I, I think what it, 
it's um, kind of more obvious now that I've had time to stop and really look at it um, and kind of reflect on things. But what I realized is that we we're kind of building two companies at the same time because I was so focused on the tech side and, you know, making a fun, engaging space where kids could play and learn uh, about food and have autonomy over their food choices. So that was really my focus. And um, Alex was so focused on, on the food, which is logistically very complicated. Um, and, you know, we had a supply chain and logistics manager. Um, we had the co-packing partnership. We had nutritionist and uh, our executive chef. And so all of that was kind of like a whole other business. And then when you think about um, the partnership with Equinox, um, we were delivering food every day. So we were kind of almost like a catering partner. Um, and so like that was really service. different. You right, almost like, became a food service company. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I know nothing about, uh, you know, bringing a, a food item to market. That's not like my background, you know, as a designer. So, um, yeah, I think in hindsight, it's <laughs> it's interesting that um, there's kind of two businesses there. <laughs> yeah. It's um, also worth noting that you talk about discovering this in hindsight or in the moment where you were able to have a respite from the day to day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to find time and space to evaluate something when you're constantly just moving forward and really busy and working all the time. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's become a part of the startup uh, life and the startup story to have uh, get-togethers called Fail Fridays or things where people talk about in order to succeed, you have to fail up. Yep. and things like that. The, the startup world is so interesting. It's, it becomes increasingly proscribed and has its own culture and its own path and, and language for talking about things. And, and the latest thing is this, you know, Fail Friday where people would get together and they would talk about when their business, you know, quote, I'm making air quotes with my fingers you can't see on the radio, <laughs> you know, failed. And failure is not necessarily so much... Um, you know, closing, gone, burned to the ground, not existing anymore. But it's often they call it the pivot because you change direction and you refine and maybe some pieces fall away and some pieces get enhanced. So now that you've had that space to think about it and realize how many different businesses you were actually building and maybe structurally how things would maybe be different or different advisors or different experts sure. or different team members... Would you repackage it and go out again for money? You know, I've given that a lot of thought. I think that there are pieces that um, I could be really passionate about repackaging and and um, starting in sort of a different way. Um, one of them being the app itself and uh, just the gamification of food in, in a really fun and creative way for kids. Um I'm not really interested in being like a Lunchables competitor where I have a shelf item and, you know, um, like a bento box lunchbox. You don't want to consumer product good, I, a CPG. Yeah, I have talked with a lot of um, food founders, you know, as you know, um, especially uh, like on the consulting side, I, I work with a lot of food founders. Um, and... 
it's really difficult and it's extremely competitive, you know, to get like an item in Whole Foods and have it take off. Um, but I'm also just not super passionate about having food that's shelf stable. The whole thing was about farm fresh lunch boxes delivered, right? So um, without that piece, I just, I, I don't, I can't see myself getting like really passionate about it. Well, when I say repackage it, I almost meant repackaging it as multiple businesses under one roof. Sure. I, mean, I see you, what you're saying, like from a management standpoint. From a management standpoint, mm-hmm. having, a, having a clearer idea. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you are packaging, you know, the fresh meals, maybe you could make one-stop deliveries to different groups or small daycares or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually really enjoyed doing the summer camp thing and have considered, you know, what if the business was just that? I mean, um, it's a huge opportunity um, because so many summer camps have horrible food. (laughs) You know, before we partnered with Equinox, um, they had, you know, just various catering services, but they were paying like... $18 $18 a meal, um, and sometimes it was things like fried chicken and things like that. So that's crazy. Is, is fried chicken bad? Uh, well, I don't know if it's bad, but it's not great to feed your kids, you know, every single day. Every single day, for sure. Yeah, every once in a while, of course. it's. it's I feel delicious. like fried chicken would be better than a <laughs> nugget. Yeah. Um, I like a good piece of fried chicken every now and again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Chicken and waffles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So next steps, you're not quite sure what next steps are. Well, right now I'm I'm looking to join another startup. So I'm interviewing. Still around. got the startup in your blood, though. Still want to yeah. still want to be in in the entrepreneur startup zone. I, it's who I am now, you know. So I can't imagine um, going back and working on, you know, Fortune 500 brands. Sure, but uh, it. I just don't think that I would feel fulfilled, you know. Um, it's really, it's really who I am now. So, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so you made the big pivot on a personal level. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about it, you know, um, about bringing everything that I learned, that energy, to uh, a team, um, and being able to focus on design again. Um, so I'm, a, I'm looking to do product design, like be a product design lead somewhere. Okay. Well, Megan's looking to be a product <laughs> design lead. There you have it. Um, if that sounds like something you're interested in, go get in touch with her at Tuckerbox somewhere awesome. on social media. She's <laughs> easy to find. I want to thank her, though, for coming out and sharing her story. It's not always an easy thing to talk about, but increasingly it's a... Um, thing that we do talk about we encourage people to talk about and we even I, I mean I do think to you know voice your words from the earlier show you know celebration of failure do you think you're celebrating this failure I think I'm working through it um, I, like I said I feel excited uh, about the next chapter um, but you know it's my baby too so not the easiest thing in the world there are good times and bad times I guess and do you feel like it's a pause versus a stop I do I do think it's a pause we call it a pivot yeah right change of direction exactly (laughs) versus a hard stop yes for sure thanks 
Well, you'll have to keep us posted. You never know. Something could happen. You could meet somebody. You could, you know, find yourself in a startup where this would nestle in very nicely. Or, you know, it's interesting that none of the meal delivery services really do have anything that focuses towards young people in any way, shape, or form. They all focus um, primarily on lifestyle and food type. Yep. Um, so that's interesting. We could do a whole show on, on delivery meal delivery and we never have and the reason is I, I can't figure out how to turn the corner on the environmental piece I hear you yeah that's a huge challenge huge and we tend to like t- to give guests a positive experience when they come on the show yeah and perhaps if we had meal delivery services on and it turned into an environmental show <laughs> that might not be fun for the guests no. and we want guests to have a good time <laughs> Awesome. So, Megan, thank you for coming on Tech Bytes. Tech Bytes is hosted and produced by me. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. It is on every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on heritageradionetwork.org. If you want to take it with you, subscribe to it. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Our engineer, David Tatashore, is going to take us out of the show with our amazing theme song, Nomada CPU, created by the one, the only DJ Uptown Nico. If you like him, check him out on SoundCloud and look for him on social media because he often plays in New York City and parts on the East Coast. I'm Jennifer Leitze, and this is Tech Bytes. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.